Bentley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Suns beating Lakers makes me want to sing. These are a few of my favorite things. A full admission, four of the things I just mentioned. Raindrops, whiskers, kettles, and mittens. I don't care much for. But man, do I love when the Suns beat the Lakers. No, LeBron James didn't play. Neither did Chris Paul. But anytime the Suns send Los Angeles home with a loss, it's a beautiful thing. And that happened Tuesday with Phoenix prevailing 115-105. to Counting the playoffs... It's the uh, eighth straight time the Phoenix Suns have done so. The 11th time in a row, if you count the preseason. Uh, Speaking of playoffs, by the way, ever since LeBron James backed down Jay Crowder while the L.A. bench mimicked his movements, basically clowning the Suns in Game 3 of the first round in 2021, the Lakers are 38-63. and Uh, We'll put that aside for now. It was uh, wonderful of the Lakers to come to town and give an absolute blueprint of what everybody wanted from them individually. Anthony Davis put up huge stats, but also feigned an injury, stayed on the court for several minutes after getting tangled up with Devin Booker under the hoop. His whole team came to check out on him, but I'm not sure anyone could tell you why Davis was down. He got up holding his wrist, but somehow found the strength to forge ahead. Suns fans were treated to the Russell Westbrook experience, a mixture of bold athletic drives to the hoop and weirdly spinning outside shots that barely grazed the rim. And of course, the game had the Patrick Beverly stamp. The talkative point guard didn't score in the game, but did get ejected for pulling off his signature finishing move, pushing an opponent to the floor from behind when he realized the game was out of reach. Kudos, Pat, for giving the fans what they want. DeAndre Ayton was the only thing you hit all night. Uh, yes, this was Thanksgiving. Uh, this Thanksgiving in the desert, there are many things we can give thanks for. The Lakers, once again, are an ill-fitting Frankenstein unit of a team that only gets noticed because of its history. And the Phoenix Suns, as we speak, are the top team in the Western Conference. Benny's View, presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they, they kept it going. It's important to keep that streak against the Lakers going because, well, because. Because they have the Dodgers and we don't, and it's nice to kind of have this on them. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the Rams are... Not not well right now, but they're the defending Super Bowl champs. So yeah, keep this going. The Rams I, the Rams don't feel L.A. because they don't they don't come with the the overly loud, obnoxious fans, front true. running fans. I thought I don't even know if they have any front running. They, the, the Rams are so insignificant in the L.A. sports scene. They don't even have front running fans. No, this was their year too to build that whole yeah. fan base up. But fo- following a Super Bowl up with this season, they they failed to capitalize. Listen, on that. they deserve. It for putting a roof on a beautiful stadium in Southern California. <laughs> All the um, bad karma to the L.A. Rams. Suns get the win. We mentioned it earlier in our discussion, uh, you know, and we'll keep the Pat Bev stuff aside for now. All right. Uh, the DeAndre Ayton portion of it. DeAndre Ayton got very animated late in that game. Uh, and if you look at his stat line, 7 of 11, 14 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, had a steal, didn't get to the free throw line again, so it was kind of a mixed bag. I'll tell you what I loved from DeAndre Ayton in that stretch. Mm-hmm. The game was still pretty tight. 
Um, although it was one of those games that you never felt that the Lakers were going to be able to seize control of. The Suns yeah, had just I, enough to hold them off. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt. Okay. Um, but there was a couple of possessions in the fourth quarter where DeAndre Ayton really asserted himself offensively and scored on Anthony Davis. And DeAndre doesn't do this a lot. He got a little talkative. Yeah. I didn't know, I don't know where that move came from, but on two consecutive hoops, he kind of stood back. He kind of looked around. He did a little squawking, and he pulled up one of his legs of his shorts. Mm-hmm. Did you see him do that? Yeah. And I think the Lakers noticed that. And I love the fact, because, you know, Anthony Davis, what we saw from Anthony Davis last night, just from a stat line standpoint, and I know I had a little fun with him in Vinny's view, but listen to this stat line. 37 points, 21 rebounds, 5 steals, 5 block shots. Yeah. That's that's not happened a lot in the history of the NBA. Um, and a lot of that came against DeAndre Ayton, who I don't think played badly. But I like that, you know, again, with the game still in reach, DeAndre Ayton stood up and kind of bowed his, you know, bowed his chest out a little bit and helped his team win, win a game and, yeah. and did so with aggression. Yeah. I, I loved it. Well, yeah, listen, I, I agree. And I think he's he's responded well to what was a, a yet another low point in his career in Phoenix. And that would have been that night against Golden State when he was when he posted up Steph Curry and he did the little jump hook and it, and it created this wave of, of just another wave of civic groaning about uh, this guy and why he won't play with force. Ever since then, um, I think he's been pretty darn good. I think he was really good in the fourth quarter uh, against Utah who they play after Utah who they beat after Utah it's, it's all blurring in uh, the Knicks, Knicks. The, yes okay. yes and I, I so I think I think he's responded to this I think he's kind of been more forceful and been more engaged I, I think somebody's probably gotten in his ear a little bit about slippage and I and so yeah I'm with you too I, I kind of like what's come off in the last couple of games and, and how about this first of all so Dwayne Washington Jr. I, I so like him more than Landry Shaman I can't even begin to tell you he, he's he and again it's a small sample and I get that but to me it, this guy looks like everything they wanted Landry Shamit to be, and this Damian Lee kid in his three-point shooting percentage, what is up with that? I mean... That's just what they needed this year, was a guy like that. His percentage is better than Steph Curry's. Yeah, and especially in the fourth quarter, he's been phenomenal in shooting in in the fourth quarter. Look, I knew Damian Lee, and I don't know if you heard the interview he did with with Burns and Gamble yesterday. He talked about, they asked him, hey, part of signing with the Suns, was it about getting out of Steph's shadow? And he admitted, yeah, a little bit of it was. And how difficult that situation can be when you are a family member of Steph Curry. People are just going to lump you in. That's why you have your job. Uh, and he still loves that organization. But to come here, and he's been freed a little bit, I think. Because you know, my most recent memory of Damian Lee with the Warriors was a stretch in the playoffs, and I forget which series it was um, that, that the Warriors played. It might have been the Dallas series where... He kind of played himself out of the rotation. He was struggling. Um, but, man, he has looked so comfortable. And it started on night one. He got crunch time minutes in, in, in the first game against Dallas and hit the biggest shot of the game. And he's not slowed down since. The shot is smooth. He's got a soft touch. He's got a little edge to him. I, I think that's been a really good acquisition for oh, the Oh, he's been fabulous. Yeah. I, I really do not expect him to keep shooting that percentage, but that is that is quite something. really and, is. And your point on Dwayne Washington Jr., um, you know, he might be just keeping that seat warm for Landry Shamit, who I think is going to get opportunities to get back in the rotation when he comes back from concussion. But the biggest thing I've noticed in those situations, and Dwayne Washington was pressed into duty in the fourth quarter because Cameron Payne uh, was struggling with foul trouble. 
He was not afraid to put the ball up. He got 15 shots up last night. Oh, a lot of them in the fourth no, quarter. He yeah. is fearless when he it is. comes to offense. He is. Where we've seen a little bit of hesitance at times from Landry Shamit in similar roles. Well, you saw even in the preseason when he did have a big-time role, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's preseason, he was the guy taking all the last-second shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, all the yeah. non-last-second shots. And, and that's and that's really, that's, that's, that's a fundamental thing in basketball, to be willing to actually do that and risk missing those shots. So I, I just, I like that kid. And again, it's a small sample size, so I'm not going to get crazy about it. Yep. But this, listen, this is, uh, the Lakers didn't have LeBron, obviously, but the Suns are without uh, a number of key performers, and they continue to kind of execute at a very high level. And, yep. and beating the Lakers clearly means something to them. And, and like you said, I think it's always enjoyable. Yes, it is. Uh, we will talk more Suns with Al McCoy coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up next, we're just a couple days away from the Territorial Cup 2022 edition. We will get the preview from the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devil, Sean Aguano, next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chan Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Santan Ford Sun Devil Blitz, presented in part by Kilo River Resorts and Casinos, Arizona State's official sports headquarters, and Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. Yeah, just two days away from Territorial Cup 2022 at Arizona Stadium in Tucson on Friday. We'll find out if the Arizona State Sun Devils can extend their streak. They've won the last five meetings. They've won six of the last seven meetings. Uh, and to cap off what's been a tough season for, for both programs, hoping to catch up with uh, Sean Aguano, the head coach of the uh, Sun Devils, uh, here in the next few minutes as he uh, gets ready to coach his first Territorial Cup game as a head coach. Um, look, this season obviously hasn't gone the way that you know, ASU wanted it to go. It's been rough from start to finish. They've got three wins at this point in the season. Um, it's unfortunate that we're d- talking about another edition of this rivalry, yeah. which you know is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Where there's nothing but bragging rights on the line. Uh, you know, neither team is, is bowl eligible. Um, both teams in, in different states of, of rebuild right now. Um, I, I guess does this Friday, feel the same? Does it, as somebody who's a big ASU fan and you two have as big Wildcats fans, does this feel like it has the kind of heat it generally has on a year to year basis? Uh, honestly, I can say no. And when you said Vince, the only thing that's on the right is bragging rights. Is it really even bragging rights if you beat up on the other trash team this year? Like it doesn't feel like a victory. Yeah, I, it, I think it, you're it, so always, right. it always when it's over. Uh, whoever whoever gets the the victory will will take advantage of those spoils. When it's happening, too, it'll feel. It'll, relief, feel. it'll yeah. be more relief than anything. It's like, oh, thank goodness we didn't lose that trash team. Yeah, yeah. They're Antici- a trash team, but they're a trash team too. The anticipation isn't there this year, but when it's happening, it'll still feel good. But it's not often that both both teams are bowl ineligible. When they play, it's pretty like, rare. Uh, like it's very it's rare when time, both teams are good. But right. you're right; this is rare as well, Jared. And it's sometimes one team's good, one team's bad. A lot of times, one team is mediocre, and the other is mediocre, or one team's mediocre yeah. and the other is bad. It's very rare that neither of them even get the six wins. Well, yeah, and it's, it's, so we, what's interesting to me is after this game is over, obviously from an ASU standpoint, this is a pivotal point in the in the program's future and where this whole thing is going in terms of who is going to be their next head football coach. And are they going to be able to find any kind of elevation um, with an expanded playoff and that whole dynamic that we have discussed before? But it's it's like on the ASU side of it, I, I, 
I've told you this last couple of days. I've been watching Herm Edwards on ESPN, and and I'm I'm just not digging his energy. He's happy, he's smiling, and I'm looking at him, going, "Why do you get to be happy? Why do you why, why do you get to Where be happy? Where do you happy? get off? Where do you get off being happy and being on TV and gushing and emoting when you look like a walking dead on the job in Tempe? I was thinking the same thing that like. Just for the way things look, just for appearances, couldn't Herm have waited till the college football season Thank ended you. to take it's, the job? It's bad energy, man. And it's because what he left behind, his role in it, we're having to slog through it. And he's up there back doing what he was doing before this whole cockamamie plan was unhatched. Well, it, it makes you think, too, an ESPN stance was, well, we'll keep a seat warm for you, Herm. It's always here when you want to come back. But it, it, it makes it feel like, in some ways, he never really fully left ESPN, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of like, oh, yeah, well, it's like it's like Emmett Smith going and signing a one-day contract with the Cowboys. Yeah, I didn't really play for the Cardinals. Let's forget about that. <laughs> that was a bad idea. I'm just gonna I'm gonna conveniently erase that from my Wikipedia page. Yeah, listen. I'm sorry. So, so I, what I'm trying to get at is I, there, there's I don't think there's a, a short term prideful thing to be gained for either program here. I think Sarah's right. I think there'll be a relief for the team who wins. Okay, thank God I don't have to deal with that as well. Yeah, thank goodness after this terrible season, at yeah. least we beat. Arrival, at least we have something. Right. One of the things that Sean Aguano said in his presser this week was, you know, Jed Fish, um, who I think, you know, rivalry aside, is doing a good job in rebuilding. They've been a lot more competitive this year. They've been a heck of a lot more fun to watch this year, especially on offense. But their motto is it's personal, and they really want to carry that over into this rivalry. Sean Aguano said, hey, this game is personal for us, too. It's been a really rough year for ASU football, oh. um, and it's, it might be a bottoming out before you know the, the first steps of a rebuild. This game always does mean a lot, and the way these two programs, regardless of who's coaching and regardless of who the players are, the way they pump their players full of the history of this program and they bring back former athletes who have participated to talk about the importance of it, you don't want to be on the losing side of it and ASU, you know, they're they're in control of it right now. That's not something they want to give up. Having the cup for five straight years, you know, getting to six in a row in this rivalry is very, very rare territory. Yeah. So there, at least there's that carrot for ASU to play with. What's What's play interesting to me is in recent years, there have been such dramatic victories for each side. Uh, the legendary comeback that ASU posted on Arizona. That of which 19-point comeback. Of which t-shirts have been made by our buddy Dave Leonard and others. I was and, on the sideline for that one. Oof. I had to watch that unfold. And then, then of course, the game when Arizona didn't even have to pass the ball in the second half. That was completely amassed. Those were, in a span of a few years, we had these extreme emotional outcomes from this game. How about 70-7? to seven? Oh, that one too. Oh, Kevin, that Zumlin, one. Kevin yeah, Sumlin's that one last. Too. That was the only good oh, thing that happened during 2020. Right. That's right. That, <laughs> that and mustache, thing. not a mustache. That was it. But Arizona fans can relish baseball. in that too. And, and the Korean dinos. Right, the, exactly. The NC dinos. That, that got rid of Sumlin, though, so at least Wildcat fans can say, you know... At least that happened. Yeah, at, at least, least at least there was a good thing that came out of the that. The turnaround right. began. Right. So I, I think that's going to be interesting. I really do. It's it's you know it's always been what it's always been, and that is a very overheated rivalry. And and I just I just don't know what's to be won this year. It's yeah. going to be it's right. going to be a relief, is what it's going to be. Well, the head coach Sean Aguano does join us uh, here for a couple minutes on Arizona Sports. Coach, just talking about this rivalry game. Got to be a pretty exciting time for you. How are you this morning? 
I'm doing fantastic. You know, we're headed out to practice uh, in a few minutes, but uh, it will be an exciting time. You know, our kids are uh, excited to play this uh, and make this a one-game season. Uh, we were just talking too about you know, look. It, it, the season has not gone the way ASU wanted it to go. Arizona's improved a little bit over what they've been, but the, you know, not the season they were hoping for either. From a coaching standpoint, um, is it difficult at all to at this point with one game left on your schedule? Is it difficult at all to motivate your players for this rivalry game, or is it just com- something that comes naturally at this point? I think it just comes naturally. They know uh, what uh, the, this game means um, for us to keep it uh, the cup here um, for six times in a row. They understand that. So hopefully, intrinsically, they're uh, motivated uh, to play this game. Uh, we've had a good couple of practices, and so um, I think they're uh, ready to go. When you talk about this rivalry game, have you heard from any alumni who have kind of reminded you? And I know you know how important it is, uh, but, but this, is, this is something with some real history on it. Absolutely. We've had a, a few alumni come in and, and uh, be guest speakers to our kids and understand, let them understand um, what this means to the alumni, um, the university, and, and the state of Arizona. Um, I've also, uh, on Monday, gave them a history, because we have a lot of um, players from other states that really don't understand the history uh, behind it. So I spent uh, a few minutes going over the history and giving them the why um, about this game, and uh, I think it helped. Talking with Sean Aguano, the head coach of Arizona State, as the Sun Devils get ready for the Territorial Cup Friday, a game you'll hear here on 98.7. Uh, when you look at Arizona, the thing that stands out to me, anyway, is um, the, the potency of their passing game with Jaden Delora, the, the trio of wide receivers and Singer, and Cowing and McMillan. Is that the biggest challenge in your mind that uh, the, the Wildcats present on Friday, Coach? I do. I do think. Uh, you know, um, I think Delara makes. Uh, some extensive plays and made some unscheduled uh, passes, but uh, their receivers are, are talented, and, and we're going to have to make sure that we contain uh, Delara and uh, uh, man up with those guys that are in the receiving and then uh, try to stop them that way. How healthy is your team going into this matchup, Coach? You know, we're, we're pretty healthy. Uh, you know, everybody's banged up at this time of year, but uh, more, moreover, I think uh, we're, we're, we're healthy as we're going to be. Um, so um, they're going to have to play and, and get uh, make sure that these 60 minutes they play hard. The, the reason why I asked that, too, focusing on the quarterback, Trenton Borgay, uh, it, you know, he, he was back uh, at quarterback last week against Oregon State. The offense didn't look the same as it had looked in, in recent weeks. Was that due to Trenton's health? Was that due to what Oregon State was doing defensively? Was it a combination of all of those things? I think it was a combination of all of those things. You know, we're, we're pretty banged up on the offensive line last uh, week, and, and Trenton just, uh, he wasn't 100%, but I, I give credit to our, uh, Oregon State. I think they did a good job schematically, but, uh, you know, we we uh, th- uh, are not looking back on that game. We're just moving forward, and I, I thought our practices went well. Sean, thanks so much for checking in with us this good morning. Luck, uh, good luck on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we will talk again soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sean Aguano, the uh, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, joining us for a couple of minutes prior to the Territorial Cup. Yeah, that game uh, kicks off 1 o'clock on Friday. 
You can hear it here, uh, beginning with pregame coverage on Arizona Sports uh, app and 98.7. The pregame coverage starts at 10.30. Coming up next, Sarah will help us get all caught up on the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. We are jumping right into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We take you through the top stories of the day every single day at this time. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Oh, uh, Sarah, what are you doing? I'm in the middle of a segment here. <laughs> oh, I had dying. I had dying. Sarah, I had dying. I'm Jared Carlin. <laughs> I was going to pull out exact one. That's funny. Did, Play did, your thing, Jared. It's 736. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. Right. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Know who that is? You guys have a great Thanksgiving, Gobble Gobble. Was that Jake Plummer? That was. Oh, that's funny. That is tremendous. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day. Unfortunately, we are starting out with more What in the World Are You Doing news for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, As I just ran through in my update yesterday, AZ Central's Bob McMenamin reported that the Cardinals had fired their assistant coach, Sean Kugler. We didn't know why, though. This morning, ESPN's Josh Weinfuss is reporting that he was fired for groping a woman in Mexico City. Uh, From the story, quote, Mexican authorities were notified of the incident, which happened Sunday night. They then informed the Cardinals, who terminated Kugler and sent him back to Arizona on a flight Monday morning. Now, Weinfist clearly had a heads up here because yesterday during Cliff Kingsbury's time with the media, he asked the head coach, hey, any uh, changes to your staff? Have you had to make any coaching staff changes at this point? Uh, no. Okay, so he just straight up denied that. Jamal, Jamal Crawford? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, the phone. The phone. How could we possibly <laughs> think to be prepared for an answer like that? Uh, Weinfist also points out in his report that Kugler is the second Arizona Cardinals assistant coach to be accused of assaulting a woman this year. James Saxon, of course, had his incident back in May in Indiana. What is your guys' reaction to the news and the way that uh, Cliff Kingsbury just opted not to address it? Yeah, I, that's uh, the, 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 way, the way he responded... Denying a question that direct is is really troubling to me. I don't know what the point of that is. Uh, the disrespect is profound. I I don't I don't know what it means. But when you dial out the the, the fact that they've got two of these incidents, and the first one they knew happened, yet only dispatched the running backs coach after it became public. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. No, I mean, I guess you give the Cardinals credit for acting swiftly this time around. But, bare you know, minimum. Yeah, uh, bare minimum. Um, you know, to, to your question about the Cliff Kingsbury part, I hope this doesn't turn into some semantical bet. Well, it wasn't my right. decision to let him go. It was an organizational decision. So right. when I was asked if I had to let anybody go or make changes, yeah. the answer was no. I mean, it didn't happen it, today, I so hope I, didn't, it, I thought yeah, that's what they were talking about. I hope it doesn't turn out yeah. to be something like that. I, 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 I agree with Bick. I think disrespect. Is, is the key word there. Disrespect, yes, to the, the media trying to do their jobs and, and the fans expecting answers, but also don't you doesn't it strike you as what could have been a great opportunity for the Cardinals to say, hey, we don't condone this behavior. We do not find it acceptable for people 
people in our organization. Stop putting your hands well, on women. Yeah, listen, and and, and as I've said, be, as I've said before, yes, and as your answer is absolutely. But as I've said before, there have been many times during his reign when Cliff Kingsbury has either been poorly informed, misinformed, ill-informed, not informed at all, and he has said something that required an amendment from the organization after his press availability. Mm-hmm. It's happened a handful of times. This is a little bit different. This is because there is there's no way Cliff Kingsbury didn't know. Right. Right? Yeah, he was not on the sidelines that night. He had been sent home. Hey, Sean, I think I'm going to call a run play here. Uh, Sean? 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 Where's Sean? Sean. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, so and so and so if he knew and if it was there had to be some sort of strategy in place with the media, right? Yeah. So I don't know. So I just don't get that. I really don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't. It just as again, far as I know, there hasn't look. been even a, a has there been a press release or no, anything? They've not no. addressed it yet. No, just the report from Winefist this morning and Bob McMenamin yesterday. Uh, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns and another guy who, uh, for different reasons, is putting his hands on people and when they don't want him to. Uh, Pat Bev was ejected from the game last night in the final minutes of the Suns Lakers matchup in downtown Phoenix, a one fifteen one oh five win for Phoenix. Uh, as Pat Bev tends to do, he body checked Deion. Andre Ayton from behind uh, as DA was standing over Austin Reeves. In his post-game interview, Devin Booker had this message for Patrick Beverly. I need to stop pushing people in the back, man. Push them in the chest. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Push them right. in the chest. At least be a man about it. Yeah, he's right. Try to do it. What do you guys think about what you saw in last night's win? Um, from Patrick Beverly, not surprising. That's that's his M.O. It was a strange game. I thought the Suns' passing was really, really lackluster last night. They were very sloppy with the ball at times. You know, mid-range shot wasn't falling at, with regularity. I thought it was a tough night for Cameron Payne between his shooting, uh, his struggles in, in passing, and getting into foul trouble. All that considered, though, they withstood a Herculean effort from, from Anthony Davis, and they got a win over a team that they should have beat last night. So, you know, it, it's not going to go into a time capsule, but when you can get a win like that, when things are not going well and everything's not moving uh, you know, smoothly, you, you take those and you move on. And, and they needed to string together wins. It had been three weeks since the Suns had won back-to-back games, so yeah, uh, that was big in its own right. Yeah, the uh, I, I think um, I think a lot of things. Number one, I think the NBA is going to have to come down on Pat Beverly very, very hard. They cannot. Uh, one time, you can kind of maybe give him a a, a a quasi slap on the wrist. This is really dangerous, menacing behavior. The NBA cannot tolerate. So I think that in the short term, they're going to take care of that appropriately this time. Fifteen games, something like that. It's going to be heavy, I think. Um, but I think in the long term, the Suns have got to ask themselves: All right. Th- players taking advantage of us NBA refs not giving us the benefit of the doubt our our style of basketball kind of being in question what do they do about this physicality of their game and their physical reputation mm-hmm. inside the NBA and how much does it have to matter and what does it mean come playoff time yeah that herculean effort you mentioned Vince from Anthony Davis 37 points 21 rebounds 5 steals 5 blocks which, that's just a wow. Ridiculous. Are the Lakers going to potentially be good this year? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I know we have to break, but a very happy birthday to our number one listener, Patty Cazell. Love you, mom. 
Patty's birthday. Patty's birthday. She's Patty. 25 today. I'll have to stop by and get a card. Thank you for the support, Patty. <laughs> yes. Birthday, yes, Patty. Thanks for having. Thanks for keeping up those. Thanks for having numbers. Jared's back. Thanks and, for always and, having Jared's back. And Patty <laughs> Cazell didn't blindside anybody by having Jared's back. She's never pushed one person down. That's true. Although she does she get could. on your case a little. A, a little, little bit. Yeah. A little. Some verbal pushing. Happy birthday, Patty. Happy birthday. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, yeah, more on the weirdness developing with the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. Sean Coogler, no longer a member of the coaching staff. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Wednesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Have you had to make any coaching staff changes? Uh, no. That's Cliff Kingsbury yesterday answering the question from Josh Weinfuss of ESPN if uh, he's had to make any coaching position changes. Uh, the answer was no moments when later. When the answer was actually yes. The answer was yes. yes. The Cardinals uh, organization uh, found it necessary after an incident in Mexico, which has now been reported as uh, Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, uh, groping a woman, Mexican authorities were notified, who notified the Cardinals, who wasted no time in sending Sean Kugler home and terminating his uh, his uh, coaching tenure with the Cardinals. Uh, more on that situation and the weirdness around it coming up in the blast. I get the feeling you won't want to miss that in about ten minutes or so. Uh, there you Fire. go. Uh, there's- yeah, but it also, it, but it also, what it does is it leads this weekend to a very interesting scenario because these uh, these incidents have come fast and furious at the Cardinals. Um, we know that that game was a must-win game in, against the 49ers. That thing turned out very, very badly. So what is this team going to look like at this point going forward? How much belief? What's going to be on the field? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, what's going to be on the field in terms of personnel? We'll start at the quarterback position. There's still some, uh, a lot of uncertainty about Kyler Murray's availability. I, I know, you know, being a competitor, he is if he can go full go and and play like we need him to play. Um, he'll play this week. I don't know if he can get there. He's progressed a lot over the last couple weeks, just not to the level I thought he needed to as far as being 100. percent You know, when you're behind, you know, a, a line right now that has four starters out. You want to be able to play your game and be able to run around and make the plays that he can make. And so hopefully this week he feels that way and feels feels good enough to, to go full throttle and really open up. But we'll see. That was Cliff Kingsbury with Wolf and Luke yesterday on Kyler's status for this week against the Chargers, a game that will uh, take place on Sunday. And we don't have a lot of time to preview that game, but we'll start there. Mm-hmm. Um Full throttle, full go, 100%. These are all things that have been attached to Kyler Murray in terms of his availability. Uh, and we acknowledged it. We're, we're of the belief, and I think most people who've watched this team play, they're of the belief that this season is not salvageable. No. So do you want to put Kyler Murray out there? I mean, there's logic in not doing that, but... There's also a lot of logic in putting a guy out there who's the undoubted franchise quarterback, the highly paid franchise quarterback. When you got other guys hurting on this team that are suffering these losses week in, week out, yeah, quarterback should probably be a part of it. Yeah, that's and that to me that was brought up by Kyle Vandenbosch, and I I absolutely 100% agree that the idea of letting Kyler Murray nurse and slow roll his way back right now. This football team's going undergone a lot of adversity. There's a lot of injured players. There's a lot of players who are playing in. 
injured. If Kyler Murray wants to take the leadership reins of this football team, he needs to jump into that battle with them. No matter, even if he's 87%, the idea that he can't go unless he's full throttle. I, we talked about this earlier, the animosity and the eye rolling that must accompany if, if there's a standard for the quarterback where he only has to play if he feels 100% versus the expectations of everybody else who are out there playing in various degrees of pain and suffering. That is not leadership. That is what's going to create divide in the locker room. So if Kyler Murray truly cares about this stuff, it's you're playing and you're you're not even you're you're declaring I'm playing. It's important for me to be out there. I'm playing. I don't have to be 100 percent effective to be a winning NFL quarterback. I'm playing. Yeah. uh, You mentioned Kyle Vandenbosch, his comments on our show yesterday. In case you missed that, here's what he said on the subject. Look, I don't want this to be a Kyler Murray bashing session. Um You know, but regardless of the team's situation, he needs to be on the field. He needs to struggle with the rest of the players that are struggling. He needs to play through whatever pain he has, just like every other single player on the team. Um, He doesn't get a pass. And if it's not pretty, if the product they put on the field is not good, he needs to be a part of that and he needs to be accountable. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's unfair. I, I, I don't either. And I, I, you know, from a guy who spent as much time in the NFL as Kyle did, that you know, from the defensive side of the ball, he's probably giving it, the viewpoint of a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Even the way Kyler Murray looked warming up on the field in Mexico City looked like a quarterback who could gut his way through a football game. Yeah, Kingsbury was asked about that yesterday too. ESPN camera showing Kyler looking pretty healthy in that pregame. Yeah, he's getting there. You know, I think, like I said, I don't think it's a hundred percent, and that's where we want him to be, where he. Wasn't thinking about and was hesitating to get out of the pocket and do what he does, and um, so I'm hopeful that this next week he can do it, and um, we want to get him out there and, and uh, see if we can, you know, play better. There it was again, hundred percent. Okay, that is just mind numbing. All right, so <laughs> honestly, when you t- okay, when you look at this and you dial out, you could say um, that almost clearly the football team wanted to go with Colt McCoy against the yeah. 49ers, given how he looked against the Rams and given how wonky the offense had become and how much Kyler Murray had regressed in that offense this year. So if that were the case going into the game, you might have set out this little game plan. Okay, you know what? If this goes well against the 49ers as well, then we're going to want Colt McCoy to keep spinning this thing. And so let's just kind of throw out there the bye week because that'll make sense to everybody. We're not going to push a quarterback until the bye week. Well, that plans out the window now. And so now I think it's a matter of, of building something and, and building something positive for the future. And that involves Kyler Murray, who probably is one of a handful of players that you can say with a guarantee will be back on this football team next year. That it's important that he goes out there and shows he cares, that he can win, that he doesn't have to be at that point where, hey, I'm a show pony. I, if, if I've got, if, 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 if there's one thing that doesn't feel right about my gate, I ain't doing it. You can't be that guy in the NFL. So that to me is why it's important. Now, what you brought up yesterday is also interesting. And that is if Kyler Murray feels like he's being unfairly, uh, unloaded upon again and he was skewered <laughs> during that ESPN pregame show in a game in which he didn't even play and we've all heard the glowing the glowing praise heaped on Colt McCoy for succeeding in in areas in which Kyler Murray most directly fails you wonder what his loyalty is to this organization Kyler Murray 
you know, it's from the study, independent study addendum to all this. There was a time early in the offseason through his agent when it was clear he felt like a scapegoat. It sounded that way to me when the offseason began. So you wonder what his mindset is. Does he does he just care that he's getting paid? Does he really not have any love for this franchise? Is he does he feel does he feel angry that he's being targeted like this and talked about like this again? I brought that up yesterday. I think that's something certainly to consider. It's unlike anything we've seen with another young franchise quarterback. Yeah. Even after the the organization came to the determination, we're paying this guy, we're locking him up long term. He's our guy, but dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. He needs to study more. We need more leadership. We want to see more development. You know, we want to see more in terms of pre snap. He's brief. a finger pointer. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a very very odd situation. Oh, it is. So buckle up. This is going to get interesting this weekend. Come celebrate the biggest FIFA watch party in town with Estrella Jalisco and special guest. Gerardo Torado is the Mexican national team takes on Argentina in front of big screens with live music and giveaways November 26th at Sportsman Park uh, Tech Soccer to 620-620 for complete details. Coming up next, Bick's got the second half of the show kickoff in style with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.